And we wanted to thank today's sponsors brought to you by Anchor.fm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's completely no charge. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, where it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and many more. Guys, it's everything you need to make a podcast. Honestly, it just takes for you to really get started. Go ahead and download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm and look forward to seeing you create your show. Yes. Welcome to the How to Be a Grown-Up podcast. My name is Eric Andrus, and this is my show. I'm an educator, a family man, a fitness lover, and a guy that's just dedicated to helping you live your best life. The goal of my podcast is to share inspiring stories from the most brilliant minds in education, world-class athletes, and influential individuals on the planet to help young people find out what makes great people great. So whether you're a student in my classroom, a scholar from around the country, or just someone who's a kid at heart, get ready for cutting-edge, non-run-of-the-mill content to help you be the best grown-up you can be. So without further ado, let's learn how to be a grown-up. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever you are joining me, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you and I are communing in this together, and I'm so glad that you're listening. In case you've forgotten, my name is Eric Andrus, and this is the How to Be a Grown-Up podcast, the show that I created for you, my lovely and wonderful young scholars, to help you remember that you have a birthright to be happy, to be healthy and to live absolutely extraordinary lives. As you could probably hear from uh, that loud car honking nearby, I am in the car as well. Uh, And I'm recording my intro here for a wonderful conversation that I got a chance to have this week. I am so excited to bring you the powerful, the inspirational, the motivational voice of Coot Blackson. This guy is the real deal in every sense of the word. By listening to him, you will not only get a blueprint for authentic talk, but you will also be moved the same way that I was. Now, I'm going to give you a lot more of a biography on Coot at the top of our Uh, conversation together, but at the top of our podcast, I wanted to take a second and talk to you about why I was so interested in having Mr. Blackson on my show and to have him share his incredible story with you. Look, I understand as young people, we oftentimes feel pretty powerless. People tell you when you have to get up in the morning. People tell you oftentimes what you have to eat. People tell you the way that you need to dress via some dress code at your school. People tell you 
uh, what you need to be doing in class, people tell you where you need to go, bells that ring periodically tell you when you need to stand up, when you need to sit down, uh, when you're allowed to go outside, when you're allowed to go to the bathroom, when you're allowed to talk to your friends. So often we feel like a lot of our life is scripted during our days and it's usually not much different at night. We have activities that we need to do. We have parental expectations that we have to live up to. We have jobs that we have to go to. All of these things leading us down some kind of pre-prescribed path. And a lot of times we feel like we are the voiceless among a sea of voices. We feel like we are the ones that are lost when everybody else has GPS. And I want you to understand one thing. I want you to understand that you have the ability to architect your story. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. As you will learn over the course of our conversation here today, as you'll learn listening to the incredible, motivating words of Coot Blackson, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what challenges you have faced growing up, and I know that some of you have faced insurmountable hurt. I know that some of you have taken on uh, responsibilities that you shouldn't have had to have taken on at such a young age. I know that some of you are raising your younger siblings. I know that some of you already have children of your own. But I want you to understand, nevertheless, that you have the amazing ability to wake up every morning and see that each new 24-hour span is a narrative on which you can write a new story of success. We all have dreams, ladies and gentlemen. We all have things that we want to do with our life. And I hear your dreams in class. I hear you talk to me saying that... You want to be successful. You want to provide for the people that you love. You want to have this goal, that goal, or the other come to you and give you money, familial love, safety, acceptance, etc. I hear you. But understand that you need to chase that goal. Understand that you need to take that first step towards that goal. Understand that you need to push. Understand that you need to set aside the negativity, the doubts, and the reservations of people in your life about your abilities to reach that goal. But understand nevertheless that you have the ability to do it. A lot of times when we look around at our circumstances, when we see the people in our lives that have been caught in the never-ending cycle of sadness, in the grinding gears of poverty and loss, when we have watched those around us be subsumed and overtaken by addiction, by substance abuse, and by just frankly abusing of our bodies, it gets easy to believe that that's your destiny as well. It gets easy to believe that that's the only path that you are allowed to walk on, that that's the only highway on which your life is to be driven. I get it. I understand that kind of tunnel vision. I felt that way about my life for a long time as well. 
But nevertheless, I come back to my thesis, I come back to my point, I come back to the idea that I want to drive inside your brain. You have the ability to make whatever out of your life that you want. You have the ability to remove yourself from negative situations. You have the ability to get clean and sober. You have the ability to be an amazing student. You have the ability to pass your classes. You have the ability to graduate school. You have the ability to associate with people that don't want you to make negative decisions, that don't want you to partake in violence. You have the ability to associate with people that want you to go and make positive choices, that want to see you succeed, that want to see you go off to post-secondary options, that want to see you eat healthfully, that want to see you find somebody in your life that loves you, a significant other that is worthy of you. You have this ability, ladies and gentlemen. Understand that. Understand that within you is brimming a just a ball of hope and possibility and love and potential. All you need to do is unlock it. All you need to do is believe that it is there. You don't need other people to give you permission to access that. You don't need other people to uh, give you that allowance. Know that that is there. Know that all of the love and hope and understanding and compassion and passion and gifts and and, and the divine spark of the universe is just waiting inside you to be unlocked and to allow you to make your impact on this world around you. You are an amazing person, ladies and gentlemen. You are someone that has never before existed in the span of human history. We've been waiting for you. You are one in 7.4 billion. And understand that with that, comes the responsibility to be the best that you can be. So be the best, ladies and gentlemen. Learn from Mr. Blackson, emulate his example, take that step and be amazing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just a little bit of housekeeping here before we get into our show. Look, folks, this podcast is a labor of love for me. I take time out of every day to bring you new and awesome episodes from uh, each of these amazing guest hosts. It is such a gift to be able to bring the inspiring words of these interviewees, of these guests, uh, of these guest hosts to you. But one of the things that you could do that would really help myself and all the other hosts here on how to be a grown up is to leave us a positive review, uh, leave us five stars, leave us something nice on whatever podcast app that you happen to be listening on. It goes a long way to bringing these messages to more young people in need. Secondly, if you or someone you know is making a positive change in the lives of young people, holy cats, I want to hear from you. Please email me at howtobeagrownuppodcast at gmail.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's talk to the inspirational, the motivational, and the absolutely light-filled Coot Blackson and learn how to be a grown-up.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once more to another episode of How to Be a Grown-Up Podcast. I am so humbled and so honored to bring an amazing guest to you today. Today, it's my gift and my privilege to introduce you to Coot Blackson. Mr. Blackson has lived a storied and fascinating life. He was born in Ghana, Africa, and raised in London. He was imbued with a unique perspective on the world from an early age. The son of a religious leader, Coot was honing his dynamic speaking ability in his father's congregation when he was very young. After making his way to America, he exploded on the empowerment scene with an ideology that he decided to call liberated living. From there, he was able to adopt many different monikers. Some of the light and love-leaning names that you could call Mr. Blackson might include speaker, motivator, business consultant, and heart-centered philosopher, just to name a few. He's changed the lives of many the world over with his powerful message, and I'm sure that he's going to change yours today as well. It's my profound privilege and humble pleasure to welcome Coot Blackson to the show today. Thanks for joining uh, me here, Mr. Blackson. I really appreciate it. Great to be here, Eric. That's one of the most enthusiastic, amazing introductions and welcomes I have ever received. So thank you so much. Oh, it is my honor, sir. Now, I want to start with this. If I was one of my young scholars listening in my classroom to you and I talk, and I heard that biography, I would go like, wow, he does a ton of different stuff. Now, when you're out and about and you're meeting someone new and they say, hey, man, what do you do for a living? How exactly do you answer them? Um, I tell people that what I really do is I don't do. I help to undo. And what I mean by that is I help people transform their lives so that they can go from where they are to ultimately where they want to be. And I help people fulfill their true potential. And uh, that's what I do. I, I uncoach people, I untrain people, I uncondition people so that they can get in touch with their authentic selves, their authentic expressions, and uh, liberate their true selves so that they can give their gifts to the world. I help people uh, give their gifts to the world and live their purposes. That's, that's in a nutshell a bit about what I do. That is truly amazing. I'd love to back up a little bit, though, here. You know, one of the things that I love to be able to provide my young people with is superhero origin stories, if you will, of incredible people like yourself. As I mentioned in the introduction, you, you have a really interesting backstory. So I'd like to know two things. Um, one, were you always this positive guy that was so interested in self-empowerment? And two... What made you decide to bring this gift that you have to the greater world? Sure, sure. You know, uh, for me, how it began as a young boy, uh, being around age five, I always felt a deep calling, a deep calling to serve humanity. I always felt a deep desire to make a difference in people's lives. I remember being age five, age six, feeling uh, just this unexplainable sense that that you know, the sense that it didn't make any sense to my mind, but I felt like I was meant to. I was I was destined for some kind of the sense of how can I explain this? The sense I was destined to, to help people in some way. This destined that there was some kind of greatness in me, even though I didn't know what it would look like. That was meant to express to the world and, and really touch people and inspire people. And and I didn't know the form of what that would look like, Eric. But I just knew I had this burning desire to help people. And so I just kept following that path. And you know, as a young boy, I was very curious. I was always asking myself the questions: five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Who are? Who am I? And why am I here? And what's the purpose of life? And 
what's the nature of existence and what's the purpose of all of this uh, this, this 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 existence and, and why do some people who have everything seem totally uh, miserable why do some people who have nothing sometimes seem really fulfilled so I went on a quest and read close to must have been 800 books by the time I was uh, wow. from eight from, from eight literally eight to I would say 18 and books on spirituality and psychology and meditation and self-help and personal growth and and it became you know uh, even though you know I know we're speaking to all of young folks today and a lot of your class and those you teach and students and for me I immersed myself in books and information because each book I read somehow gave me exponential uh, transformation, exponential experience that where I could literally compress decades into days. I would get in the minds of, of people like Richard Branson and Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich. And I read books uh, by people like uh, Shakti Gawain who talked about creative visualization, how we can think things. So for me, as a young boy, even though I, I came from very humble, so humble means, you know, my family wasn't very rich. We didn't have a whole lot. Um, in fact, many many folks might say I was limit, very limited in terms of the resources, the physical material resources I had access to growing up in literally one of the poorest neighborhoods in London. I grew up in Peckham, which if you don't know anything about Peckham, Peckham has become kind of like, like a little hip little town right now in London. At least it's gentrifying. But when I was growing up in London, it was one of the most notoriously dangerous places to live in South London where, you know, within – Within literally five days of moving to Peckham uh, in southeast London, uh, I was held up at knife point and my life was threatened. So that's the kind of place wow. it was. So I didn't grow up with a whole lot. And, and, and so I always felt it was ne- what books taught me was it was never about your resources. People often make excuses as to why they don't, they don't live their dreams. And, and they'll often say, well, I don't have the money and I don't know the right people. I don't have the connections. I don't have this. I don't have – I had nothing. I knew – I didn't know anyone. I didn't have connections to Hollywood or – or, or personal growth. I didn't come from you know a rich background, so I had no money, literally. And and but I believe what books taught me was they gave me the inspiration. They gave me the inspiration to get insight into other people's experience. They gave me the inspiration to really understand that it's not about your resources. It's about your it, it's about your resourcefulness. And I believe that when we when we really expand our perception and when we we trust and we believe in our dreams and we. We get determined to become resourceful. Then I feel we can we can create anything. We can meet anyone. And I've proven this time and time again in my life. And I talk a bit about this in my book. But you know, also what impacted me as a young boy, Eric, was literally. I mean, this might sound a little strange, but uh, I've started talking about it a lot more. I remember being around age six, age seven, being a chubby kid, lost, lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa, and I, I literally saw a crippled woman crawling on the floor. And uh, she was crippled, so she couldn't walk, uh, hands, legs kind of mangled. And she picked up the sand that this man walked on and wiped it on her face and stood up. And so, you know, you could could call that the miracle. So week after week, I grew up seeing miracles, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people standing up out of wheelchairs. The same man who she picked up literally would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, stand up. And she would say, but I'm sick. And he would say, stand up. And this would go back and forth for probably, you know, a few moments, 5, 10, 15 minutes. And eventually she would stand up. So this man was my father. And I was privileged, even though we didn't have a lot materially, I was privileged to, to observe and be around a man who, even though we weren't close, you know, in terms of father and son, just watching his example of a man who had tremendous faith to, to pursue his dream, tremendous faith to live his conviction. So I grew up around miracles. So I grew up with a sense that anything was possible because I saw 
these 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 incredible things happening. And and the thing is, you know, when I was age eight, I started speaking to my father. So my father built about three hundred churches in Ghana, West Africa, and one huge church in London. So when I was eight, I started speaking in this church. When I was fourteen, I was actually check this. I was actually ordained as a minister to take wow. over and given the mandate to take over his entire spiritual organization. But I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that in my heart that wasn't my path. I knew that he had my entire life planned out for me. He had these expectations for who I was going to be. And there's probably many people listening that that might also feel the same way, that society has these expectations. Your parents have these expectations. Your friends have these expectations. The media has these expectations. Those you love have these certain expectations as to who you should be. And many times, at least I felt being a kind of strange, weird kid, you know, my my, my strangeness was uh, I was kind of into spirituality and spiritual stuff. Everyone thought I was weird and people constantly were telling me, why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just fit in to, why can't you just be like everyone else? Why do you have to be strange? And and, and so it was a tremendous source of pain for me. And so when my father said, you're taking over my church's son, you know, I didn't have the courage to say no. I knew in my heart that that wasn't my path. I knew in my heart beyond the shadow of a doubt that that wasn't what I was here to do. That wasn't my life purpose. That wasn't my destiny. I had a different vision. I had a different dream. I had, I started reading these self-help books. So I wanted to come to the U.S. and America and speak and teach and really kind of do a version of what I'm doing now. And 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 b- because I didn't want to lose my father's love, because I didn't want to rock the boat, because I didn't want to disappoint people around me that had all these expectations, because I was afraid of of the consequences of what would happen if I spoke my truth. I was afraid of the consequences of what would happen if I was really myself. Uh, I went along with it and became ordained as a minister at 14 years old and started you know, serving people, but I knew in my heart that something was off. And I think deep down to live an authentic, what I learned at a very young age is you can't live an authentic life if you're lying to yourself, if you're not telling yourself the truth. And one of the things that I think keep people stuck in their lives, living unfulfilled life, li- living lives that aren't really, uh, that, that don't really bring us much joy is are all the ways we're lying to ourselves, all the lies that we're telling ourselves. And, and so I think that, that we, in order to truly live a fulfilled, successful, and happy life, we have to be willing to tell the truth to ourselves, which is scary because we're afraid of the consequences. Oh, my God, if, I, if I'm really honest about what I want, I'm going to lose my father's love, my parents' love. If I'm really honest about what I want, maybe I'll lose my job. If, I, if I'm really honest about what I want, what might happen to my relationship? And I've invested so much into the life I've built and who I've become that what might happen? So we often don't want to rock the boat. So I believe it takes tremendous courage to be who you really are. It takes tremendous courage to to speak your truth. It takes tremendous courage to live what you know deep inside, especially when other people can't see it, when other people don't believe it, when other people think you're crazy. But I believe that, you know, ultimately, we are all given our dreams for a reason and our dreams have chosen us. Your dreams, if you're listening to this right now and you have a dream and you have a vision, you've been given that vision and dream for a reason and your dream has chosen you for a reason. Your dream has chosen you because you are the perfect person to fulfill that dream. And so I was, I was on fire with a dream 
Eric, and, and, and so I had the conversation. It took me about four years. Every day I was, I was terrified, terrified that I would lose my father's love forever. We would, I would be outcast. We wouldn't speak. It took me four years to muster up the courage to have the conversation with my father. And I believe that you know, every young person must come to the point where they must face their parents and separate from their parents and either let go of their parents. It might mean disappointing their parents, but separate from their parents so that they can become their own, individuate and become their own authentic selves and mine came at 18 where i finally sat down had the conversation with my father and i said dad i love you but i'm not taking over your churches i can't live the life that you want me to live because i knew i might be successful by the world's standards i might be successful by his standards but if i don't have myself if i don't have who i really am then ultimately i'm a failure Ultimately, I'm committing a certain suicide and uh, then I end up living a life that's a lie and you can't be happy living a life that's a lie. So, you know, I decided to one of the best decisions I made, which is one of the most difficult decisions I made was I decided that I would not I would absolutely never compromise my soul. I would never compromise my truth. I would never compromise my essence and my knowing and what I felt inside. And whenever we compromise ourselves in order to be loved, in order to fit in, in order to, 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 to not rock the boat, be a part of the group, I believe that we betray ourselves. And when we betray ourselves, we suffer. So I had the conversation with my dad, Eric, and, and left everything behind. Look, we didn't speak. I mean, it wasn't like it was easy after that, but we didn't speak for about, I would say, two years. Um, but here's what's really cool. I believe that whenever we follow our hearts, whenever we follow our deepest authentic truths, not just doing what we think we should do to, uh, based on society, based on our parents, when we follow our authentic truth, I believe that's when the universe supports us. And cut a long story short, I literally won. That's won a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery, wow. which was an absolute miracle. And uh, that was confirmation for me that something was guiding my life, that there was an intelligence, a life force, God, whatever you want to call it, that there was something bigger than myself. And, and so for me, it's been a process of having faith, trust, trusting my knowing, trusting my intuition and doing the best I can to really listen to my soul, listen to myself. And then I came to the US, two suit, green card, two suitcases, $1,000 in my pocket, new one in the country in pursuit of a dream, in pursuit of the dream that was burning in my heart, and uh, went and found teachers and many of the authors I'd read about, uh, <clears throat> people like Jack Canfield and Deepak Chopra, and on and on and on, and found some of them, learned from some of them, uh, realized some of the limitations of some approaches, and and then started traveling the world. I went, I, you know, I went to places like India and and Thailand and Israel and. UK Glastonbury walked a month in northern Spain, the Camino. I just went on a quest to try and find answers for myself. And then it was really after that, about 15 years ago, that I, I you could say I came back to, to to LA, Los Angeles, where I live, and started to coach people and train people. And really one by one by one, it was a slow process, Eric. One by one by one, just started to give my gift to people, give my gift to the world. And people's lives started to transform. And one turned into five, five turned into ten, ten turned into fifty, fifty turned into you know, it just expanded. And now, you know, my book is, I'm privileged that my book is outreaching, you know, a lot of people now. Oh, man, it is a gift to listen to you. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I want to highlight something that Mr. Blackson said uh, amidst his point right here. Understand that one of the reasons why he was able to make his dreams come to fruition was that he harnessed the inner power within himself. I know we were talking about this today in class, but I want to highlight this again. 
When you awaken the energy of your inner power through that self-empowerment, through those actionable steps, through taking that first fearful jump into the unknown, that's when we find confidence. That's when we find strength. Because I need you to understand this, ladies and gentlemen, we are all interconnected with the limit, excuse me, with the limitless power of creation or the universe. And that upholds everything around us. We are connected to the cosmos, to every cell in our bodies, through the actions that we take. And I understand that you might be up against obstacles and friction and roadblocks and and an oncoming storm of sadness, but I don't want you to focus on how heavy that that rain is. I want you to focus on how big and powerful the power inside you is. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to grab that mirror in your bathroom. I want you to stare it in the eyes and I want you to say something like this. I want you to look at yourself and say, today, today is my day. Today I will overcome. Whatever is placed in front of me, whatever obstacle is there, I'm going to overcome. Whatever I know or whatever I don't know, I'm going to overcome. No matter how time, how many times I fail, no matter how many times I <clears throat> fall, I am going to overcome because I can emulate what Mr. Blackson was saying. I can harness that inner power. So thank you for saying that, Coot. That was amazing, man. Um awesome. It, it actually leads me to my next thing here, and I've got two more questions for you, but okay. um, first I want to just take a second before I ask you these last two questions, and I want to acknowledge you, and I want to say two words that I feel like you don't hear nearly enough, and that's a profound and a humble thank you. You have taken so much of your life to be giving of love to other people. You only need to tune into your social media for the briefest of moments to see the infectious energy and positivity that you exude to the world. So for the gifts that you have given my darkest of days and for the gifts that you have given so many people the world over, thank you for who you are and for what you do. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Um, my second to last question is this. As I had mentioned, like you, in the face of a lot of challenges in your life, you have exuded so much positivity, light, and love. Now, for many of my kids that suffer from a lot of internal and external violence in their day-to-day -day lives, if they were hoping to emulate your uh, kind of your being if they were hoping to become a more loving person in their day-to-day -day lives where might you suggest they start mm. if they were hoping to become a more loving person you know i mean for me <clears throat> one thing and i'm going to share a few different things uh you know life isn't always easy and life is sometimes challenging and i believe that you know, the purpose of life for me, sometimes we're, we're taught by our culture that the purpose of life is to make money and be successful and have the bling and the car and the house and nothing wrong with any of that. I wish total abundance to everyone, profound success to every human being. But I believe that, you know, kind of spiritually, I'm bringing a spiritual angle because that's really part of what I do. I believe that, you know, we incarnate as souls into, onto this planet for a reason. And firstly, if you're on this planet, no matter how challenging or how hard your circumstance, that you are here for a reason. 
You are here for a reason. You are whole. You are perfect. You are loved by the universe. Life right now is breathing through you, loving through you, and you have been born for a reason. Maybe you might have felt like, "Mm, why am I here? Why am I this place? There's a reason you're here. How do I know there's a reason you're here? Because you're alive. Because you're here. You may not have figured out that reason yet. You may not have figured out your life purpose yet, but you will. So that's the first thing I'll say. And I believe we incarnate as souls because the, because there, our souls are seeking to learn certain lessons. Our souls are seeking to evolve. And how we evolve is through experiences. How we evolve is through relationships. How we evolve is through challenges. So I believe that real success is not simply what we attain. But real success is simply who we become and who we become in the process of life. And the degree to which we learn the lessons for which we were born into this lifetime to, to, to evolve into to learn. So I would ask each person you know, to, to first sit with, you know, why was I born? What is the purpose of my life? If you look at, and, what, and what, are the less, what are the lessons that I'm here to learn in this lifetime? Because I think if you can understand, if you can take a step back and understand, like, wow, maybe, maybe there's a reason I'm going through what I'm going through, even though it's challenging right now. See, I believe, let me take a step back too, I believe that your dreams choose you for a reason. Because if you don't understand that you're here for a reason and there's a deeper reason, then it, it can be easy sometimes to get a little bitter, to be a little angry, to be a little mad at the world, mad at God, mad at life. But if you realize that your dreams shows you for a reason, your dreams shows you for a reason because you, if you, so if you have a dream, you have it for a reason and it shows you for a reason. And, and as a result, you know, it shows you because you are the perfect person with your experience, with your pain, with your challenge, with your trauma, with every, with your successes, with your uniqueness, because you are the perfect vehicle, you're the perfect vessel, you're the perfect person who is able to fulfill that dream and that vision. You are the perfect person. So I believe that everything that you might be going through right now, everything you might be experiencing right now is your classroom, is your classroom. And I believe that dreams are evolutionary. Your dreams, your visions will take you on a journey, a journey of becoming more of who you are. So every single experience that you're going through, that you've been through, that you're in right now, no matter how challenging, is actually preparing you, is marinating you. It's like part of the ingredients, you know, it's like a chef cooking a meal, part of the ingredients that life is using to prepare you to do what you're here to do, to prepare you to be able to become the person that you are going to be, to be able to fulfill the dream and the vision that you are here to fulfill. I look at people like Mandela, Nelson Mandela, Mandela, who in South Africa stood for peace, stood for eradicating racism. Nelson Mandela ending apartheid. We've all heard of Nelson Mandela. He was beaten. He was abused. He was traumatized. He was put in prison for over 26, I think 26 plus years. He could have been mad. He could have been angry. He could have been upset. He could have felt like a victim. But in prison, he used that time to read, to meditate, to get to know himself. He used that time, as challenging as it was, to prepare himself because he knew that there was a mission for his life. There was a deeper purpose for his life, that what he was going through was no accident, that there must have been a purpose for why he was going through what he was going through. And he used that time in prison to prepare. And when he came out of prison, he was sufficiently ready to be the president of South Africa. Now, let me ask, had he not gone through that challenging situation, had he not gone through that experience, had he not been put in prison, would he have become the president? 
Probably not. So everything is happening for a reason, even though we're not always able to see at first. And sometimes, you know, we, we often think, well, just because you're living your life purpose or you know what your life purpose is, sometimes we think, well, you know, life just unfolds easily and effortlessly. But sometimes the bigger your life purpose, the bigger the challenges you have to go through because you, you have to develop the soul muscle like Mandela had to develop the soul muscle. Oprah was born, you know, abandoned, raised by her grandmother, uh, you know, abused, tremendous abuse and suffering she went through. But all of that, if you look back, would Oprah be who she is today? Has she not gone through that? She, she, through those experiences of pain and abuse and suffering, not that I wish those on anyone, but they gave her the the understanding of humans. They gave her the understanding of of, of people, of of all of humanity, of the deepest depth of suffering, which allows her to feel, allowed her to feel the compassion so that she could, when her time came, stand on national television and feel America, feel the world, understand the pain of the world because she went through it. Now, has she had the perfect experience? Has she grown up in a billionaire lifestyle with all the, you know, the trappings of success in life? Would she have had that sensitivity to feel people and have that translate into television? And now she's become perhaps one of the richest women in the world. So I believe that everything we're going through is for a reason. And sometimes it's easy to ask ourselves, well, why me, God? Why me? Why? Why me? And be mad and angry, which is so easy. Or we can ask a different question. Hmm, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Not from a, like a victim standpoint, but what, with a curiosity of why is this happening? And if life is a classroom, what are the lessons that I need to learn from this situation? Because I believe that once we learn those lessons, we get to graduate. Like you teach kids, Eric, and you know, those kids can't necessarily graduate if they don't learn the lessons and take the test. Life is constantly giving us tests. And once we learn the test, then we graduate to the next level, the next curriculum of life. So, and I, so I feel when we understand that, it can free us up a little bit more to learn to, to open our hearts, to learn to, to love, to learn to to. to accept and embrace everything that's going on, learn the lessons so we can, we can, we can move on. And I think uh, everything is serving our growth. Everything is serving our growth and evolution. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is ultimately loving yourself, you have to make a choice. To love yourself, you have to make a decision. To love yourself, it requires you really you go inside and accept yourself completely. Really accept yourself for who you are and for who you are. One of the things in our culture, especially with social media and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and this and that, it's become so crazy that it's so easy to look at someone else's life. It's so easy to look at what everyone else is doing and and compare yourself to everyone else. And one of the killers to self-love, one of the killers to create suffering is where you're constantly comparing yourself to someone else, comparing yourself to Jay-Z, comparing yourself to Beyonce, comparing yourself to Kanye West, comparing yourself to... Justin Bieber, comparing yourself to someone else. And, and the reality is this. You are one in a billion. Yeah. You, if you're listening to this right now, you are one in a billion. Never before has the universe, never, bef- never before has the universe, which has been around billions of years, come together in a unique configuration called you. Called you. You are unique. And I, so I think to really stop looking outside, we have to make a choice to really look at our uniqueness, honor our uniqueness, honor who we are, and trust that we're not going to be Kanye, we're not going to be Jay-Z, we may not be Obama, but we can be 
ourselves. We can be ourselves. And I see so many people, this is why I wrote my book, You Are the One. I think so often we look at the heroes of our generation in LA. I live in LA. We just had the Emmys yesterday. And it's so easy to look at the celebrities, the Denzels, the Jimmy Kimmels of the world, the, you know, the pop stars and the rappers and the sports stars and go, well, I want to be like them. I want to be like, which is great to emulate the positive. But I, but I feel like, you know, all the great ones, the, the modern day ones, whether it's Stephen Jobs, Elon Musk, Oprah, whether it's the ancient, the older ones, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, David Bowie, Bob Marley, Martin Luther King, JFK, you know, ultimately Mother Teresa, they all showed us our own capacity for greatness. They all showed us what each of us can actually do. And if they can do it, we can too. But they did it and they succeeded because they weren't trying to copy anyone else. They were fully being themselves. We all have our unique flavor. We must learn to not just be a photocopy machine and copy, copy, copy someone else, but to really honor our uniqueness and trust that if we are fully ourselves, if we are fully who we are and we give our gifts, there will be people that will be able to, that will benefit from our gifts. And that's one thing I had to do, which was to really learn to love who I was, to learn to love myself. And the more I found I loved myself and accepted myself, not just accepted the good things about myself, but accepted the not so great things about myself. Then I started to feeling a, pe- a peace within my own heart. Then I started to seek. The more I loved myself, the less I started seeking it outside of myself. So I tell people, look, stop looking outside for validation. Stop looking outside and realize that no one's coming. And I don't say that as a morbid thing. No one's coming in that you're here. You, if you're listening to this, you are here for a reason. And you're, that's why I say you are the one. You're the one that the world is waiting for. You're the one that the universe is waiting for. You're the one that people are waiting for. You're the one, and we're waiting. The world is waiting for your gifts. So love yourself as you are. One of the last things I'll say about that is that I had to learn, Eric, was it's easy to say, well, okay, you know, ignore the bad things people say about you because, look, what I found is as you put yourself out there, there's many haters, man. There's people that will hate hate on you and they will there's some people will hate on you because they see you going for your dream they see you going for your vision and it it triggers for them how they're not so rather than say good job eric good job coot i'm so inspired they'll try and like hate on you so that they feel better about themselves and less threatened within themselves so you have to make peace with there will always be haters there will always be people that have an opinion Always. And, and, and I think, but one of the things we actually have to unplug ourselves from is not, not just the bad things people say, but also, here's, here's, here's what I found, also the good, the positive p- things people say. Because the more we can do that, the more we can stand in our center and be centered. Then we're not seeking to avoid the negative and we're not seeking to avoid the positive reinforcement. Eric, Eric, like me, love me, love me, love me, like me. Then we're being fully ourselves you know if you're a young person watching this if you watch one of my inspirations a man called bruce lee martial art legend there is an interview on youtube called the the lost interviews it's about 26 minutes and if you watch bruce lee he is so centered in himself he's not see he's not trying to get you to like him he's not trying to get you to hate him he's just being himself and when you are fully yourself you have no competition when you're fully yourself, there's no contest. When you're fully yourself, there's no jealousy because you are being yourself. So I think to love ourselves completely as we are is a foundation you know, for, for healing. And it's something I had to learn uh, to really accept who I was and accept my gifts and, and say, hey, I am what I am and I'm not what I'm not. And it's okay. you know. And the greatest lie, last thing I'll say, Eric, yeah, is the, yeah. 
They're the greatest lie that we're sold. We're constantly being sold by the media. There's a lie that we have to realize and wake up to. The media, you see, has a, and I love the media. I sometimes, you know, watch, uh, respect the media for what it is. I watch movies and what, and do social media. But we have to not be hijacked by it. We have to not allow our attention to be hijacked by the media because here's what I found. The media has an investment in you not knowing who you are. The media has an investment in not in you not being in touch with your power. The media has an investment in distracting you because if you're distracted, you can be disconnected. And if you can be disconnected, you can be discouraged and depressed. And when you get discouraged and depressed, you can be sold a bunch of lies. And we are being constantly hypnotized, hypnotized, hypnotized by the media. So, you know, we're constantly told, hey, 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 hey young person, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. But if you just wear these shoes, you're going to be enough. (laughs) You're not enough. If you just wear this underwear, everyone's going to like you. You're not enough. But if you just wear this bling, drink this beer, you know, put by this, these, these, these earphones, then you're going to be, finally, you will be enough and loved by the world. And we're constantly being sold. The great lie that we're being sold is you are inherently not enough and the truth is you are whole you are perfect you are complete when you know who you are really are when you know who you really really are you become dangerous you become powerful you become free to be who you are and perhaps the greatest gift my friends that you as a young person can give the world is being who you are Amazing, man. That actually leads me nicely into my last question here. One of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was because I ardently agree with you there that each and every single one of my young scholars is a unique combination of molecules that has never before happened in the history of humankind, that they are one in 7.4 billion, to steal a phrase from what you just said there. But nevertheless, I feel like our schools are failing them. We are failing them because we are teaching them history and economics and English, but we're not teaching them the things that are tantamount to real life, grit and resilience and self-love and hope. And so I decided to call the podcast, How to Be a Mm. (laughs) Grown-Up. So my question to you, my Mm. friend, is what does being a grown-up mean to you? Yeah. One thing that popped into my mind. This is, might be, I hope it's okay, Eric, to be a yeah. little di- direct with your audience. Please do. Because we don't have a lot of time. That's when I say we don't have a lot of time, I say by time, I mean, you know, life is short. That's what I'm talking about in terms of we don't have a lot of time. Any moment, this life is over. So I believe we should maximize each moment. So being a grown-up, I'll give you a little story from myself. Yeah. I left the U.S. I left the U.K. with $1,000. I came to the U.S., To me, perhaps one of the greatest countries in the world. It's not perfect, but a land of opportunity. We live in a country, the United States of America. I was a kid born in Ghana, West Africa, to a Ghanaian father. My father was born on a concrete floor. My mother was born in Japan. I grew up in London. I left Ghana when I was three. So I've been all over the world. And I will say that we live in a tremendous country filled with tremendous opportunity. That sometimes when we live in this country, we don't realize that opportunity because we're just, hey, we're just used to it, you know? So that's one thing I'll say. And when I came to this country, I was living, I was so poor. I was literally sleeping on the floor and I found a mattress. I dragged, I dragged a mattress 
out of the street that someone had thrown out. I was sleeping on a bare mattress and, and sneaking, I'm going to be honest, sneaking, which effectively is kind of stealing bread from the supermarket because I had no money. And I was doing that for weeks, for weeks. And I, I reached a point, and this is when I became a grown-up. One of, the, one of the things that happened when I became a grown-up, I reached a point where I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. I was pissed off. I was furious. I was mad at my father because he wasn't there for me. He wasn't supporting me. He would, but I was just mad at him. I mean, I was furious. And his, my situation was really his fault, blaming him. And I realized, some, I had an epiphany in that moment. Something shifted because I realized I was being such a victim. And if I'm going to be such a victim, nothing's going to shift. If I'm going to abdicate my responsibility for my life, I was 18 years old. And I was going to, if I was going to abdicate my responsibility for my life, I would never grow up. I would never reach my full potential. I would never achieve the level of success I knew I was destined to. And in that moment, I started crying because I started realizing and, you know, on some level, I was right. I was, you know, it wasn't like I was wrong. So I believe, look, you can be right about your experience. You can be right about what happened. But being right and holding on to being right doesn't mean you're going to be free. So if you're listening to this, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? Because you can't have both. You, you, you want to be right or you want to be free. Maybe you were dealt a bad hand. Maybe someone wasn't there. Maybe you were abused in the past. Maybe it's happening now. But I'm going to propose that any moment right now, if you're listening to this, destiny has brought you to this moment and you have a choice. The willingness to take responsibility for your life, the willingness to choose just because you made your bed doesn't mean you have to lie in it at any moment. You have a choice to say no, to say yes, to stand up, to make a decision. What I had to own was my choice, Eric. And I had realized I, what was keeping me stuck was I was so damn entitled. I wanted this from God and I wanted that from God and I wanted this from my parents. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been nice for support, for love. For, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a wonderful thing. But my victimhood and my entitlement was keeping me completely stuck. And I had every reason to be entitled because I didn't have anything, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like rationally, it's like, yeah, I understand, Coop. But I realized it was keeping me stuck because in doing that, I wasn't taking responsibility. When I wasn't taking responsibility, I wasn't doing everything in my power, everything in my power to be resourceful. Many times my clients will come to me and say, Coop, I've done everything to be a success. I've done everything to turn my dreams into reality. And I say, everything? What have you done? And they tell me like two things. I'm like, you did two things? Two things. <laughs> You know, you got to be hungry because I see so many for I, I coach many people from Vietnam, from Thailand, from India who, who, who they don't have much. They didn't have much. They were starving. They were living in, in, in an eight by 10 room with, with 17 of their, of their siblings and their mother. And, their, and then they come to the U.S. It's like they can't believe the opportunity. So they are, they are hungry. I'm inviting each person to be hungry. And you see these folks work, they work, they work, they be hungry because we live in a place of tremendous opportunity. So what I had to give up was my sense of entitlement. And here's what I adopted. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong, but this is what shifted my life. I took on the belief that no one owes me anything. No one owes me anything. God owes me nothing. The government owes me nothing. My parents owe me nothing. My dad owes me nothing. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice, but no one owes me anything. And when that happened, I took on supreme responsibility of my, for my life. And I realized if I'm going to change my life, no one's going to do it for me. 
No one's going to do it. If Oprah is not going to knock on my door and say, could I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. You know, no one's going to knock, knock on my door and give me $100,000 and say, you know, I've just been looking for someone to give money to so that you can start. <laughs> no one's going to knock on your door and say, hmm, you know what? You're 30 pounds overweight. I'm going to go to the gym on your behalf. I'll lose the weight on your behalf and you sit on the couch and feel sorry for yourself. No one owes you anything because here's what I found. Life has given you everything. In this moment right now, Eric, we are being lived and breathed. Whatever you believe, God, consciousness, life, life force, intelligence, it cannot be denied that we are being breathed by something. And that same something is, is, is loving us. And in each moment, the, to feel the totality of the love of each moment, life is loving us in each moment, in every breath. And in, in our cells right now, there are trillions and millions of processes that are happening, miracles happening in your body. You're looking for a miracle? Look inside. You have, you have a cocktail of possibilities. You have, a, you, have, you have infinite possibilities inside of you that are happening. Miracles happening that we take for granted. And I realize I've been given so much that I haven't even seen. I'm so ungrateful. And I decided to to first be grateful and secondly take complete responsibility for my life and from that moment I stopped waiting for someone to do it for me stopped waiting for my father stopped waiting for the girl I stopped waiting and I started doing everything I could do that was in my power to move myself I started making those phone calls I started knocking on doors I didn't know Jack Canfield I didn't know people kind of like you that you reached out to me which is why yeah. I felt I felt so responsive because I went and I just knocked on their doors. I went to some of their homes. I went to their events. And I just wouldn't leave. I said, look, <laughs> this is my vision. I'm not leaving. I have no money. I can't even go to your seminar. I have no money. But I, I, just, I, I just have to be here. And I wouldn't leave. And eventually people responded. And I think if for those also who might be looking for a mentor, find a mentor and see not just what you can take from your mentor, but how you can add value to your mentor. Because that is one of the things is, oh, well, I went and I spoke to that person and they just didn't have time. Yeah, because everyone wants something from them. So see how you can add value to your mentor. And, 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 and this way, it becomes a reciprocal exchange. So for me, no one owes you anything will change your life. Take it on. Own your power because what it then requires is that you own your power completely. And when you own your power, you have no more excuse. You can't blame your dad, your mom, the society, the government. You can do it. It's on you. And how do we know? Because it's been done before. People from the, from the greatest suffering, from the most challenging situations have risen from the ashes. You look at everyone. You look at everyone from a Jay-Z. You look at everyone from a Tupac. You look at everyone from an Obama. You look at every, everyone who's, who's ever been down, who has risen. So many of them rose from very humble beginnings. So trust it. Go for it. Take it on. You have the power because you are the one. Man, this has easily been one of the most revelatory, compassionate, and incredible conversations I've ever been humbled enough to be a part of. You are a warrior and soldier for the light, my friend. But I, I want to be respectfully your time and not take too much of it this evening. Um, if my kids want to find more of your stuff online, yes. uh, where should they look? A couple of things. You know, uh, if they go to, I'm going to give a bunch of resources. I would love kids, man. If you are listening, I'm passionate about the youth because you, you, you guys and girls, you are the future. You are the future. And I want you to know, even though we've never met, I accepted 
Eric's interview because I felt your souls and you are the future. I want you to know that, believe that, trust that, and I would love to connect with you in any way. Look, Facebook, just plug in my name into Facebook, follow me on my fan page. I pump out constant free quotes, just cost you nothing, quotes, videos, just like my fan page, send me a message, say hi, say you heard me on the, on, on the, on the podcast with Eric. I will respond to you personally and give you a big hug and see however I can support you. That's number one. Number two, uh, you can go to www.youaretheonebook.com. You can find out about my book. There's videos there. Uh, you can find out about my, my book there and then receive some free resources. That's number two. My website, www.cootblackson.com. Plug in my name. There's videos. You can go to my blog. You can watch literally 100 plus of my blogs that I've put out over the last, maybe more, you know, because I put out literally a blog every 10 days. So over the last five years, I put out a blog every 10 days. Don't know the math, but there's like 100, 200 plus blog video topics. You can type in, you can search, you can watch any topic that relates to your life, you know, how to overcome procrastination, how to start exercising, how to have a positive attitude, how to, you know, heal your pans of rejection. I mean, on and on and on. There are resources there that are for free, will cost you nothing. Please, please, please research those kids, study those, send me an email, let me know how you're doing as well. Uh, you can also go to uh, www.howtoendsufferingandbehappy.com. If you put in your email there, you will receive like two in-depth, I think, 45-minute audio trainings for free. So check them out there. I want you to have as many free resources, folks, as possible, especially you know, being young kids. I love you. You're amazing. Being touched. I can't wait to hear from you. And when you message me, let me know you're one of Eric's kids. Absolutely, my man. Um, I'm going to wrap up here real quick, but could you hang on for like 30 more seconds? Sure. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful conversation here on How to Be a Grown-Up Podcast. Stick around, folks, because I've got a few takeaways for you. Wow, what an awesome conversation with just a powerful force for good in this world. All right, here's my takeaways, ladies and gentlemen. You have the ability to direct your everyday towards the positive. You are the architect of your future. So let's make your future a good one. All right, folks, I've been Eric Andrus. This has been the How to Be a Grown-Up podcast. And until later this week, do not forget that you have a birthright to be happy, to be healthy, and to live absolutely extraordinary lives. All right, I'm out.